All right. So last week I started off and asked who in here was a Christian. Remember that? And we talked last week about, and if, if you ever miss any of our services, you can always catch up. Online, we have, they're all posted there. And I, I do something else that I want to encourage you. If you, if you use the, the Version Bible app, and we are as a church doing another through the Bible reading program, which I've so much enjoyed even these first couple weeks, you can always jump in and join that. It, a Version is a Bible app. It's free. Uh, all of these things are free. I always put my notes in there so if you can follow along. There's helpful links in there. Uh, not this week, but sometimes I might reference something and you want to go check more about it. You can do that there. But uh, you know, like register for the classes. It's all in there. It's simple. You just go onto the YouVersion Bible app, go into the menu, those three lines. If you click on that, click on events. It should pop up with our location. And if not, you can always put our zip code in, 64064, and you'll find it. So it's easy to find. But I mention that because uh, you can always go back and check out those, those other sermons and check out you can just do more research. You can write your own personal notes. I have no idea who does it. It's all for you to grow. Simple, right? All right. So as you're, if you're all Christians, right? You're all Christians, right? Do you realize you're supposed to save the world? Do you realize that? Your job is to save the world. I don't know if you realize that. And maybe that seems extreme, but it's not. It's not. I mean, our, our world needs to be saved. And it's your job. Now, I know you're probably sitting there like, well, I don't get paid for that. You do. No, I'm just kidding. I know you don't. And I've joked around about, like, I'm the professional Christian. I get to pray at family deals and no matter where I'm at. I get that. But it's not my job, really. My job is to train you to do it. But it's our job as Christians. Every Christian literally is to save the world. And, and I know you're thinking, well, how in the world? We do? What are you talking about? Well, let me just tell you. Christianity did save the world. And I don't know if you realize this, but the world Jesus was born into in the first century was brutal, devastating. Now, we glamorize it, and sometimes we see some of the brutality. I mean, there's times where maybe you'll watch a movie of that time, Ben-Hur or whatever, and there's some of the brutality. But I don't know if we could really accurately portray how rough the world was. And this is not news to some of you, but it's always been that way. Why? Because humans aren't nice people. I'm sorry. There's this one ad talking about this dog shelter, animal shelter, and the the person on the ad says something about dogs, and she goes, because they're the nicest people. And it, I mean, obviously sometimes that's true. I mean, if any of you have a dog, you probably love your dog, and your dog loves you. And I often say, I wish I was the person my dog thinks I am, Right? You walk in and they're so excited. I mean, they're just bouncing around and ours just, I mean, her whole body is wagging. It's like, how does your body do that? She is so excited. And if I don't drop everything and greet her and pet her, I mean, she will follow me until I do. You know, this is maybe too much information, but even if I got to use the restroom real quick, I'll use the restroom, come out. She's still there doing it. It's like, I knew you were coming out of there and I can't wait to see you again. It's comical. I'll leave for just to do something in the garage. Sometimes I'll come back in and say, you're back. That's not humanity, right? I mean, I wish. (laughs) I wish people liked me that much. The problem is they know me. The problem is you know you. The problem is humanity's always been brutal. Do you realize every society, almost everyone in the, of all time has had slavery? Do you realize they've all practiced infanticide? Do you realize they've all 
had situations with rape and poverty and famine have been way more common than not. Do you realize most people couldn't travel much because it just wasn't safe? Someone would rob you or take advantage. That's, it's incredible. Barbarism and butchery have been more common than not. People stayed. I mean, might makes right. We've all heard that term. That's the way humanity's been forever. I had a college professor. Uh, it's dumb, but, you know, he said morphology is destiny, which basically your body type determined how, what you would do in life because you could, you could do more things if you, were, if you had power over other people based on size and strength. That's why for most of human history, women have been subjugated and taken advantage of because men physically are generally stronger. That's why people had to stay in their groups or families and their families became protection because you had to have that to protect your young and protect your women and protect your way of life because someone else likely would come around and just try to take what you have. That's human history. That's why states and countries and people groups have have tried to do this. The world has been a constant repeat of conquering and defenses and building castles and building armaments. And that's why from space, one of the things you can see is the Great Wall of China because they had to build that to try to keep the, the raiding forces for coming in. It's crazy. And our weapons have become more and more. I mean... You know, obviously Cain killed Abel with probably his bare hands or a rock. I don't know. But now we do it with way more precision and way more, way more brutality. But humans haven't changed. It's still humans doing what humans do. But Christianity saved the world. I don't know. It's hard to imagine the world that Christianity entered into. They estimate that Rome, Rome was 40% slaves. That's why they had to control the slavery so much. Now, to be fair, it wasn't the same kind of slavery as in the U.S. Now, they had that. I mean, the U.S. slavery was, was just unspeakable. A lot of the slavery in Rome was, was uh, house people who just helped, or maybe they, they gave a meal, or it wasn't all. And a lot of it was indentured servitude. But still, people didn't have freedom. Freedom was not known. People were subjugated based on all sorts of things. Unwanted children were abandoned. The, the way they did it was, if a baby was born before the mother even held it, they would lay it down and, and the father could come in and if, if there was anything wrong with her, if he just didn't want another child, he would turn away and walk away and that child would be placed outside. And then either picked up by the slave traders or left to die. That was common. I mean, what do women do for work? I mean, let's say your, your, your husband or your, you didn't have sons. What would you do to support yourself? There weren't a lot of jobs. It's not like you could go work at McDonald's or something else that anybody could do. Most of the jobs were physical labor and men were well, but I mean, their physical bodies were more suited to it. And there were so many people that needed work. What would you do? It's it's horrible to be taken advantage of or put in a marriage you didn't want or, or sex slaves. I mean, whatever it was, it was a horrible, horrible time to be, to be vulnerable. Christianity came and turned everything around it's hard to really understand how revolutionary jesus teaching was until you juxtapose it with society of the time where jesus talks about he talks about women in a way that gave them dignity and gave them worth he he talked to people who the rest of society felt like were beneath and under and he didn't treat people like that he modeled that for every single one of us and then we read verses like 
Galatians 3.28, where there's no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That was revolutionary. He's revolutioning the way we, the way we treated ethnic differences, the way we treated economic differences, the way we treated gender differences. That is Christianity. It didn't exist in the world that they lived in. It was revolutionary. It doesn't even end there. If I were to ask you, what, what group... What religious group, I don't care, societal groups, governments, which, which group does these kinds of things? I'm just going to list a bunch of them. Some may do some, but who does all of these things? And why do they do it? Because Christians look at every single person as having God's special stamp of identity on them. They all have intrinsic worth. You don't look at a person and hopefully... Judge them by their station in life or where they are or their job. Every single person has dignity and worth because God made them in his image and he loves them and he especially created them and he sent his son to die for them. Every single one. Now they may have made choices or, or circumstances have put them in a place that, that makes them live in a way that's not dignified, but they themselves still have dignity. They have worth and value that you could never measure What group has done these things? Provided universal education, care for the poor, orphans, care for orphans, care for widows, care for those who are infirm, created hospitals all around the world, provided higher education. Nearly all the great universities started as Christian universities. Oh, I gave it away. Don't forget I said that. Who fights to lower crime and abuse and take away hunger? Who who helps with mental health and suicide prevention and abortion counseling and to help people who are lonely and substance abuse counseling and health care and assistance to people in the military and pregnancy care and adoption ministries and care for those with HIV and to help fight porn addiction and people who do can provide family counseling and auto clinics and community support sports leagues and Parents, single parents support and clothes closets and provide weddings and funerals and marriage seminars and men's and women's ministries and food services. Most invented modern science. Most the majority of Nobel Prize winners in science are actually Christians. They fight to end prostitution and provide prison ministries and help those with disabilities and provide fitness programs and employment training and premarital counseling and help people with home building and home repair and fight homelessness and recovery programs and provide camps for inner city and camps for people uh, whose who kids are there in prison and provide camps for their kids and disaster relief and provide legal aid and fight sexual trafficking and ended, ended uh, abuse of of other people and provide well digging all around the world and provide help for senior citizens and provide drama and art and music events. They work to outlaw slavery and outlaw the death games and outlaw child brides and outlaw child prostitution, end infanticide and end wives as property. Who does that? Christians save the world. But if you look around, you realize our world still needs saving, right? So who's going to save the world? It's you. It's us. It's weans. Do we still say? I'm sorry. sorry, a little. That's a little Missourian for those of you out of town here. Who does that? Who does that? Why do you do it? You do it because people have worth and value, and they need us. They need us whether they know it or not. The world, a lot of times, doesn't realize what they need and that you have the answer that they need. But they need it so desperately. 
So as Christians, what do we do? How do, how do you get this message to a world that is so in need and we're supposed to save the world? How do you do that? I want to just cover four mentalities that we can take when we approach the world. One is a fortress mentality. Are you familiar with that one? Because the world is so bad or evil or against Christianity that you say, we need to wall ourselves off against that and protect our children and protect our families. And, and our kids do need protection and, and not, there's some time for that. But as Christians, we can get into a place where we live in a Christian bubble where everybody we interact with already agrees with us and believes the same thing. And I know what that's like because it's comfortable to be there, right? You know how it is, right? Maybe you're into a certain thing. Like, let's, let's say fishing. Can we do that? And you realize somebody else is into that, and you can talk for hours, right? It's easy. And you know, even if you don't fish for the same thing. I mean, those of you know, I mean, usually bass fishermen aren't always crappie fishermen, and for sure not catfish fishermen. But we can still relate and talk. Right? I know a little about knitting because we knitted as children when my dad was overseas. I'm no lie. We made some cool stuff. I I think my mom still has this bunny rabbit I made. It's really cool. (laughs) But I would run out of things to say talking with a real knitter. Right? I get why we go into a bubble. I get it. It's easy. You already agree on everything. It's not like you're going to run anything and it get awkward because, oh, 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 stepped on a toe. You already know. You can just wall yourself in. Only have Christian friends. Shut out all unbelievers. After all, sorry. If you think about their eternal destiny, how can we do that? You can't just step back and say, this sounds so rough. That's why I didn't want to say it at first. But you can't say, well, you disagree with me. Go to hell. Right? But if you shut them out, where are they going? How do you save the world and you just say, I can't talk to you or I'm not going to be part of you? I've talked about, about cancel culture up here a few times because I've been canceled. But as Christians, we better not cancel. Do you get that? We aren't given, that's, it's wrong for anybody, but especially us, because it's not about us. It's about them. And it's about their heart and their eternal destiny. This is not just about uncomfortable and I just want to enjoy my time and not be awkward. I'm not about that. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. There's another mentality we can have, a conquer mentality, where everything's... Fighting and materialistic. And, and there are those terms in scripture, you know. How many grew up singing, uh, I'm in God's army? Remember that? I'm in the Lord's army. Remember? I'm in the Lord. That was fun, right? Shoot the artillery and... <laughs> Can you imagine singing that today? Everybody would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but then I know people who act like that. This, okay, this... This may surprise some of you. I actually unfollowed Christian friends of mine because they are so aggressive online that I, I'm offended. Like, you are not reaching anybody. What you are doing is shutting off any opportunity for whoever you're talking about to ever come to Christ. At least not through you. 
And what will happen is they'll talk to a Christian and they'll be like, you're a Christian? Because that guy hates me. Like, no. He hates what, he hate what, he hates what the, the sin is doing to you. He doesn't hate you. But then they get lost in the translation and they're like, well, I don't see the difference. Well, we love you. Love you. And don't want you in pain. We don't want your life to explode. Or you gotta, Sometimes you got to do a lot of detoxing with somebody because of Christians who maybe their heart is right, but the way they've gone about it. You're not going to beat someone into submission to, to, to love Jesus. You realize that, right? That is not how Christianity spread. You cannot force someone to believe. God, God wanted it that way. If he was going to force him, he would have come in a different way. He wouldn't come as a helpless baby in a to obscure place to, to poor people, right? I've said this a lot of times, but he would have come like Thor. He would have come like Thor. He would have looked perfect and been able to zap you. I said, get down on your knees, and, right? Repent. But with her heart being it? Corny example, I've used it a million times. My mom made me hug my sister, I don't know how many times, to end an argument, and I never meant it. I love her now, don't get me wrong. I would hug her if she was here, but you can't force someone to change their heart. That's what God wants. He wants their heart. He wants their heart. Let me mention another one, and this is probably the worst is an adoptive mentality. And I use that term only because adoption is a good thing, right? But what I mean by that is we just blend into the world. It's easier, right? I'm good at blending, to be honest. I enjoy it. I enjoy different cultures. I enjoy different groups of people. I love accents. I love hearing people talk. And I unconsciously start to adopt accents when I'm in certain places. And my wife has said, don't you think you're going to offend them? I'm like, uh, what? And she's like, you're talking like them, wherever we are. And I'm like, I don't think they know. Right? <laughs> so then I've done this. I've tried to, you know, I, I was in New York City in college. We did a ministry in Brooklyn uh, for a summer. It was fun. And um, in Brooklyn, you know, I remember we were walking with this kid and he's like, uh, we were walking, at, we were on the sidewalk and then he was walking, they just laid down like new, it wasn't asphalt, turned out it was tar, but still, they laid some new tar, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I like to walk in the soft tar. I said, what? <laughs> he goes, I like to walk in the soft tar. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, so I kept saying that. And it was just making me laugh because I'm an idiot like that and I make myself laugh. And I would keep saying that and people never even hesitated. Then at one point he wanted, back then video games were a big deal and they were a quarter. And he goes, he goes you, have a, you have a case quarter? I'm like, what's a case quarter? And I was laughing, you know. And he just went on and explained. A case quarter, at least in his world, was like a quarter, not, not two dimes and a nickel. Because he wanted a case quarter. I don't even know what that, I mean, who knows. Here's the problem, though. You blend in with the culture, you're not saving the world. You become the world. If you are indistinguishable, if your life is indistinguishable, 
then you are no good. It's like Jesus said, if it's just salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? Just throw it in the street. If you are not a light in the world, then you, there's, what do we do? What happens is it starts to change us. You, I get it though. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm also, I like to be liked. I'm a peacemaker. I am. I will step in the middle of somebody's fight in Walmart. I will. I just want to calm it down. Like, hey, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I can't help it. I, people who love me have said, don't say anything. Stop, stop. Can't. But I don't want to be in conflict. I hate conflict. I do not like it. So I get it. I don't want to intentionally make someone uncomfortable. I don't. But I also don't want them to go to hell. Do you... I get it. Go along to get along. When in Rome, what happens in Vegas? How embarrassing that that is a thing associated with our country. What happens is you start to sacrifice and compromise your values. And I know you know scripture. You, you're Christians. I get it. So please don't feel like I'm... I know I'm preaching to the choir for every one of you. None of you are doing this, but... When Paul writes to the Romans, he's writing to a church. You realize that? So he's writing to Christians, so I'm sharing this verse with Christians because that's who he's writing to. We need to listen. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, plead with you. I'm pleading with you today. Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now we could stop there and not be changed. But he tells you what he's talking about. Do not copy the behavior and customs of the world. Do you you hear what he's saying? It's a sacrifice for you not to copy the world. It's way easier to go with the flow. It's way easier Have you ever seen a fish go upstream? It's harder. Dead things go with the flow. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I was, we have a student who's interned with us this, this quarter. He's a high school student. And I was going over the sermon and I said, um, I was just kind of asking his opinion. Would you add anything here, 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 here? He said, well, I'll tell you what the most, the, the way that most peers of mine are going with the flow in our society today. I wasn't ready for what he said, to be honest with you. I mean, I was in my mind, you know how your mind just anticipates what someone's going to say. I thought he was going to buy clothes or video. I don't know what he's going to say. He goes, in our, in, in, he goes around high school students and he goes and I'm not talking about necessarily the students I know but, I, but I, he used to go to Grain Valley High School and he just said um, sex is just a thing everybody assumes everybody has all the time it means nothing anymore it's nothing because it's just assumed you just have it's not a thing it means he goes we hear he goes I hear adults like you talk about how special it is and to be saved and he goes and I'm like well, not to my friends it's just a thing 
Think about the damage they're doing to their hearts because they're going with the flow. And then he said this. He said, porn is everywhere. Because, you know, every one of us have a smartphone. We can see anything, anytime. And, and he, he's a good kid. He just said, he goes, he goes we, my parents and I, we've talked about this, and we have covenant eyes on our phones. Like, we have that at the church, accountability for our computers and all that. And he goes, so my parents can literally see what I'm looking at all the time. And, he go, and then he said this, and I appreciate his heart. He said, I'm glad they do. Do you know how many texts I get and things just random? Like, I don't know, why is somebody sending me this? D.L. Moody said, character is what you do in the dark. He was a great man of God. Chicago, a couple generations back, but character is what you do in the dark. You know how it happens? I've got a seven-point slide that, here's how it happens. We overlook evil. It's awkward, right, to call out evil? Who wants to do that? If you want to do that, you're... Anyway. We permit evil. So you overlook it. You permit it. Then we legalize it. Does that sound familiar? You know what happens when we legalize things that are unhealthy and evil? People start to think it's moral. A lot of our laws don't really have anything to do with morality per se. It's just what we've determined is illegal not moral. But then they start to confuse that. And well, it's okay, it's legal. We overlook, we permit, then we legalize. Then we promote it. We celebrate it. Then we persecute those who still call evil, evil. Then we participate. I read that and I just sat back and thought, oh Lord God, our world needs saved. And who's going to save it? Funny, Debbie quoted this verse in her, in her presentation, but the, Isaiah 5.20. What are those who call evil good and good evil? Who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for darkness? There's a better way. There's a better way. You ready to hear something better? I hope so. There's a better way. The better way is for you to know him and to make him known. That's it. It's funny, is I wrote that and writing through it, I'm like, this sounds familiar. Why? This is the Christian message to know God and to make Him known, to love Him and to love others. Love God, love us. This is Christianity from the beginning. It doesn't change. It saved the world in the first century. It will save the world today because we do this. You become Christ's ambassadors in a way that is beyond what you probably think. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. You do it. You do it. It's our job to save the world. I want to skip to the 2 Corinthians passage. All of this is a gift from God who, listen to these, these words are so powerful, who bought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Does that sound like a big task? It is. But guess what? He did it for you. He'll do it for others. And he'll use you to do it. Just you living your Christian life. You know him and you make him known. And God, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. 
I grew up singing that song like some of you did. CAs was the Assembly of God Youth Ministry. Of course, it went from like 12 to 30 back then. Remember that song we say? We are Christ's ambassadors. Remember that? I never knew what it meant. Do you get what it means? You are, you are his representative to a lost world. It's a big charge. I know, I know, I know, I know. The thing is, all he asks you to do is, is be you. Be Christ in the world. Look what he says here. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we can be right, right, right with God through Christ. The first part is this, that you know God sent you. First you need to know him for you, then you know he needs to send you, that he sent you. I love this thing. I love it. I love it. Now think about this. We have a dying world all around us. So I get the temptation. The temptation is to do that, that, that whole adoptive thing where we kind of blend in and make it easy, 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 right? Did you, did you notice that Jesus never did that? And yet sinners were still attracted to him? Why were they attracted to him? I mean, why? What was it about Jesus that was different than maybe us or the world that he was in? I think there's one glaring thing. The, the, the religious rulers of his day were very self-righteous and judgmental. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't call sin sin, which is judging. What it meant is he still loved them. He cared about them. Now, he didn't condone or approve of their sin, but he still loved them. Think of that story where they, the religious rulers, they tried to put Jesus on the spot, and they brought this woman. Here, listen to the ter- terminology. She was caught in adultery for him to judge her, and it was on the temple mount. What's interesting about that story is there's many things, but... She was caught in adultery. What does that mean? She was caught in the act. Like, what is going on here? And where's the guy? But Jesus wanted to, they wanted to put Jesus on the spot, partly because if he condemned her to sin, they could literally execute her right then and there. What's, what's phenomenal, when I, was, when I was in Israel in May, um, one of the things that the, the Bible professor there, he talked to us about that story. Because some question whether it, because it wasn't in some of the original documents, but he said, whether it was in those or not, this actual scenario happened at least two times that he's found before Jesus, where someone was, was accused and killed right then and there. So there was precedent. It was a heavy-duty thing. So you, you guys who've read this, the book, you know the story. What ends up happening is Jesus pauses. The deliberate pause is powerful. Just kidding, I was going to do it right now, but just joking. Okay, so he does this, this pregnant pause thing. Then he says, whoever has never sinned, throw the first stone. Because that's how it worked. In their system, the oldest one was supposed to start throwing. And then down to the, the youngest, uh, whoever was it, the accusers. And they weren't there. They couldn't do it. And then at the end, what does Jesus say to her? Go have a good time. Enjoy the rest of your life. Nice knowing you. See ya. Hope, hope it ends well. He said, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. And the only one who could have accused her was the perfect son of God. And he said, well, then neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. We still need to talk about sin, but we still need to do it in a way that, that, that unbelievers will hear the message. Jesus, Jesus talked to the culture around him. He criticized them. 
He criticized Herod, the religious ruler, called him that old fox. There was no question that Jesus had standards and talked about. I'm not saying you can't ever say anything like that, but though he did it in a way that was still loving. The thing is, I mean, it, it's changed in so many ways in our culture today. Right now, it's, it's like we can't stop talking about sexuality because the world keeps shoving it in our face. It keeps coming at us with this new thing and this new thing, and the slide is dramatic, dramatic. They keep pushing these extremes. And I've heard this for a long time, but even in this last week, that the biblical ethic is unloving. And I look at that and I say, well, maybe you don't really understand what it is then. If you look at the biblical ethic as saying it's unloving, I don't know that you really understand it because the loving way is the best thing for people. And if this is not best, we have to still say this is not best. It's not God's plan. It's not what he wants. I look at that and I think, in a lot of ways, our Christian values are being redefined, even the word love, or assaulted. And if you don't talk about it, it's as if you're condoning. You still need to do it, but you need to do it in a loving, incredible way, a way that expresses love. And they're even using some of our words, like love and justice and equity. Those are our words. But you need to help them understand the true meaning. Let me give you some practical guidelines, okay? How do we do this? How do we, do, how do, we, how do we save the world as we walk out these doors in a few minutes? If I could have Pastor Nick join me. The first thing, you need to know him. You need to know what you believe and why and why it's so wonderful. The why always needs to come before the what. The why before the what. Why? Because he loves you. He saved you. He's changed you. He's cleansed you. Why? It's important. The second thing is pray more than we've ever prayed before. More than we've ever prayed before. Pray for lost people. Pray for people you know. Pray for your family members. Pray that God would protect your children. Pray that you are ready to meet a dying world with the right answers in the right time and the right attitude in a way that would be very, very effective. That's why I called for 21 days of prayer. We're in the eighth day of 21 days. And I debated whether or not to share this with you because it's embarrassing, but I'm going to share this with you because I feel like you need to know this. Some of you haven't been part of this, and you're, maybe it's the first time you're hearing it, and like, what is fasting again, and what are we doing? <laughs> it's okay. I get it. Fasting is a Christian discipline that's been around for other, and I, I know it exists in other faiths, but it's been around Christianity forever. All you're doing is denying something physical to focus on the spiritual. That is it. And what it does is denying the physical focuses you more. Now, some people are doing, they're, they're fasting all food, and just, and, and that's fine. Some are doing maybe a day. Some are, some are fasting something else, like, like social media. I, I would recommend that also just, if you just give it up for a month, you, you would be amazed at how your focus changes, everything changes. It's up to you. One of my prayer times this week, I felt like God challenging me a little bit and saying, why are you doing this? <laughs> what are you talking about? You, you called me to call the church to this. He goes, yep, that's what I called you to do. Why are you doing this? And I felt so like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, I'm the pastor. I have to do this. Right? And I felt like he said, but did I call you to this? I'm like, yeah, you called me to, yeah, you, I called you to call the church. Did I call you? So I want you to think about this for a second. What is he calling you to? It's more important that you're faithful what he's calling you to, to them, than what you're actually call, doing. I, I know that sounds convoluted. It's not. He's like, why are you doing this? I'm like, what? Well, I'm, I'm the pastor. I have to do 
He's like, why are you doing the, the more extreme part? And I'm like, well, I have to. I'm the pastor. Did I call you to that? I really felt like I thought you did. Did I? Like, he's like, and then part of me felt like, well, I, I, I want to. I can. I mean, it's, he goes, so are, you're competing with yourself here because you want to do this? Does that sound like me? Does that like sound like what I call people to do? Just to do it? Oh, my goodness. I just like, well, I want you to be obedient to what God calls you to do. Whether, no matter what it is. And what is the purpose of that? It's for this, for you to know him. The, the first thing is for you to know him deeper, deeper. Whatever that means. We're all at different levels. For you to know him deeper. The second thing is perhaps there's something that you've been praying for. Just pray for that breakthrough. And then the third thing is this. We have to save the world. We have to save the world. Pray for that. Pray about that. Pray what what God would want you to do. Maybe there's somebody he puts on your heart or somebody that you know you need to talk to. And maybe you haven't been able to talk to him before, but you've been praying about it. Maybe, Maybe it's somebody who bothers you. And God would put that person on your heart. He does have a sense of humor that way, I'm just saying. You know what we're prayed to do? We're, we're called to do is to, to plant seeds. Plant seeds. Maybe for some of you, you haven't talked to this person because you're just, you're like, oh, I don't know what will happen and it might ruin our relationship or I can't see them con- converting to Christ. You know what? That's not your job to worry about. Can I take that pressure off of you? You know whose job it is? It's one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to convict people, not me. It's not my job to convict. My job is to be obedient Think of the parable of the sower. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but in that parable, the sower throws the seeds. And then it says some of it falls on rocky. It it has different types of soils. It's the fourth soil that is receptive. But you keep throwing the seeds. You don't know. You have no idea what God is doing in their life and who else might be talking to them or what, what situations he may have already orchestrated. That one thing that you say in obedience could be something that they're going to walk on. And maybe it's like putting a pebble in your shoe and you just think, oh, it's, I remember when, you know, Georgia said this and I can't get it out of my head now. And the fourth thing, be loving. I'm almost hesitant to say that because you're Christians and you should be loving. But as I already mentioned, sometimes we can be unloving or perceived as unloving. Be kind, be kind. What does it say after the fruit of the Spirit? What does it say in Galatians? Against these things, there is no law. You be above reproach always. I wrote it this way. Use your inside voice. Use your inside voice. You are an ambassador for Christ and leave the results to God. The results aren't us. It's not up to us. Someone said, what do you think is going to happen after 21 days? I don't know. And you know what? That's up to God too. And if I still don't know, that's still up to God. Because it's not just about numbers or results. It's about us being faithful to him and then the results are up to him. It's always up to him. We're called to be faithful. Then it's up to him. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to shut your eyes. I have two basic questions for you. Do you know him? Make him known. You need to know him and make him known. Is there more of God for you to know? Let me just ask this question. Everybody's eyes closed. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Is there more 
of God for you to know? You can say yes by raising your hand. Yes. Everybody. Yes. Are there deeper deaths? Yes. Are there things we've never even seen yet? Yes. Scientists keep telling us we've only explored 5% of the ocean. I would say you probably only, only explored a, a tenth of a percent of God. There's more. There is more. So I'm going to ask this question, and I do want you to raise your hand. Do you want more? Yes. I see those hands. I never want to leave this out. Maybe you've never known him. Or maybe you've walked away and you've returned. There, with, with a room this size and this many people, and if you're watching online, this goes for you too. Is there somebody here maybe who you don't actually know him like I'm talking about, but you want to? Maybe you've struggled with it. Maybe somebody said something, or maybe you even feel this kind of a, I don't know, a pressure, a burning, a, an anxiety that I need to do this. And if this is you, I would just ask you to raise your hand right now. Do you want to know him, maybe for the first time or return? Anybody like that? You would raise your hand and we could pray for you this morning. We will pray with you. Anybody at all? Just raise your hand. I see the hand. I appreciate it. I appreciate your honesty. Anybody else? Hey, those of you know, I ask that question every week. Sometimes I, praying with the Lord after service, I'm like, God, where's that hand? And he said, that's my business. You ask, I work on their hearts. I'm going to take a moment. We're going to pray together for this person who raised their hand. If, and you who raised your hand, I want you to especially mean this prayer, but I'm going to ask everybody to follow me in this prayer. It's a simple prayer where we're just going to ask God to forgive us of our sins, accept his forgiveness, invite him to be the Lord of our life. It's simple. So would you all follow me in this room? I'm going to, I'm going to say the words and you repeat after me. But this person who raised your hand, I want you to especially mean this. Father God, sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I want you to change me. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I want you in my heart. I want to be your follower. In Jesus' name, amen. With your head still bowed, I want to mention one more thing kept saying we need to know him and make him known I want to pray with you specifically about perhaps people or maybe even you so again I'm, I, you don't have to raise your hands for this question but I know that there's people in this room it's difficult for you to plant those seeds and you may be thinking well Pastor Dennis you talk to everybody You're, I know but there are certain people that only you can reach. Certain people who know you and want to know what makes you different. They wonder. They want to know about your faith. I'm going to pray for you that you would feel the boldness and that God would use you to reach those people that only you can uniquely reach. And I'm just wondering if there's anybody, if, if, if God has been maybe repeatedly or maybe there's somebody that God has put in your mind as I've been talking that you maybe their name has crossed your mind or even their face you've thought of them anybody have something like that right now that I can pray with you about anybody at all just raise your hand if there's people people hands are up all over this room I want to pray with you for them right now 
I'd ask you to stand, please. I want to close the service with this prayer, but I also want to make opportunity, if you need prayer for anything, anything at all, it could be physical healing, it could be a situation in your life, financial, I want you to come down as I pray. So those of us who are prepared to pray, if you're, if you're one of the pastors and spouses, board spouses, or the prayer team specifically, if you'd come down right now, And then as I pray for those things, I just want to invite you, if you want special prayer, this is the time. Step out, and we will stay here as long as it takes to pray with you. But I want to pray for the entire congregation while we do that. So if you need prayer for anything, please step out right now as we pray. Father, we come before you, and I'm I'm overwhelmed with my friends here at the the, the huge job that you have given us to save this world, that you have called us to be ambassadors. And I ask first for those who struggle with that, whether it's their personality or, or maybe their past and they don't feel, feel equal to the task, whatever it is. God, I pray for them that you would give them a boldness that comes from within knowing you, that as they know you, that that, that that knowing you would just compel them, knowing you would give the confidence that your Holy Spirit would speak through them. I pray, God, that you would give us opportunities that we could never have orchestrated it on our own, but instead that you would sit up, set up divine appointments where, where people would even ask us, even while we're hesitating and wondering, God, is this the time and this the person that they would even ask, and you would, you would help us fill our, our, our mouth with the words that you want us to say. God, I pray that you would take away the anxiety of that, that you would take away the hesitation And that you would just help us to say the simple things, just a phrase or a word or a comment or relay an experience, whatever it is, God, that would plant that seed. We ask that you would help us to do that. Father, I pray that you would do this maybe even today. Maybe it's maybe it's someone who serves us at a restaurant or quick trip or wherever we are. Maybe it's somebody that we know, a family member. God, that you would open those doors for us and we would walk through them. God, I pray for that today. I pray, Father, for those who you put on our minds that you would redeem them, that you would orchestrate every part of their life, things that we don't even have any idea about, send people to say things to them, and then we say them, and you say them someone else, and just the whole cascade of those events would change their lives forever. God, I pray for us in this room, whether we're fasting or not, whether we, however we're reaching out to you, that you would respond to us in ways that blow our minds. As we read your word, maybe on that reading plan or our own Bible reading, that you would show us new things, things that we've been wondering about, things that we've been struggling with, that you would just speak to us and show us ways that are beyond our explanation, that it was a divine moment between you, the author, and us, the reader, that you would just explode that in our minds. I pray, God, for us in prayer as we reach out to you in prayer, that you would meet us in ways and time would go by before we even knew it, that time would go by and it would just fly like it is with a good friend, that it would just be an amazing moments with you in prayer. I pray that you would help us when it isn't like that, for that, we'd be, that we would struggle through and be consistent and persistent in seeking you. God, we ask these things in your name because you are good. You are a good and wonderful God. We give you praise for all those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today as you go save the world. Save the world. Those of you who have kids coming back for their winter retreat, please hang about. If they're not here yet, they will be soon. God bless you. And don't forget, you can share experiences with us. We've asked for you. You can email prayer at crownpointchurch.com. Remember, point has an E. 
And uh, we'd love to hear your stories. God bless you today.